Welcome to SaaScast. My name is Alex Morris, and I'm a content marketer here at Future of SaaS. Joining me today is Neil Barman, Chief Growth Officer of Yellow Messenger, a cognitive engagement cloud platform. He's ready to discuss how SaaS businesses can aim for global reach within 12 months, with insights on how to aim for new markets, grow as a business, and reach impressive targets. Uh, so it'll be an excellent opportunity for an introduction from yourself, Neil, if you'd like to uh, explain your role with Yellow Messenger, the product, your core features, uh, your mission, everything like that would be brilliant. Thank you. Sure. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much for inviting me here today. No problem. Um, I'm the chief growth officer for, for Yellow Messenger, and uh, I handle the entire revenue function for Yellow Messenger that starts from demand generation, revenue generation, uh, and the entire, entire sales account management, uh, partner management. So the 360 degree revenue handling function for Yellow Messenger is what I handle. Right. Um, started on pretty early. Um, we were, we were, a, I mean, we were a two member sales team when we started and uh, in a span of about uh, 24 months, we have now grown to uh, 125 member sales team uh, spread across the globe. And uh, uh, today we have uh, 350 enterprise brands that we work with across different parts of the world. Really? And uh, uh, yeah, so so here I am. And uh, outside Yellow Messenger, I'm I'm a, I'm a passionate sales guy. Uh, sales have been my passion from from very early days, uh, and uh, I've been uh, I mean, have been an avid learner of sales and uh, an application of, of newer methodologies of sales uh, throughout the period of time is, is what I have practiced. And uh, I have tried to incorporate, in, incorporate that in the, in the teams that I've led. Oh, brilliant. Uh, so how long have you been in SaaS for then? Uh, it's about a about little over a decade now. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I started working for, for SaaS companies back in 2009. And uh, yeah, so it's a little over a decade that I'm in the SaaS world. Okay, brilliant. Uh, well, we'll get started with the topic of choice then, which is going from regional to global in 12 months. Uh, global is global and local. Uh, so for the first question then, um, so for your topic, going from regional to global, uh, do you think this is achievable for every star's SaaS startup? Uh, and if so, how would you go about preparing for uh, an ambition, ambitious scaling up goal like this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, for uh, for uh, any SaaS player to to uh, become a global player is is the ultimate goal that uh, they all all have in mind, and that's a that's a single or the or the uh, unified uh, aspiration that any SaaS player uh, in in any part of the world uh, must be having in terms of uh, going global and offering the product to to different parts of the world. And uh, doing it in a in a span of uh, twelve months uh, is absolutely achievable. I mean, if you if you look at some of the numbers, right? Like uh, uh, there was a there was a study done by Finances Online where they said that seventy three percent of uh, companies, um, I mean, they're they're going to go uh, cloud based by twenty twenty. And this is a this is a study done in in twenty fifteen, and uh, the percentage is supposed to go near 90% by 2022. So that means um, it's, SaaS is no longer going to be a trend. It's going to be the norm. 
uh, and uh, uh, with 80% of application being hosted in the in the cloud um, companies will no longer be dependent on on legacy systems so uh, it depends on the on the growth architecture that uh, a saas player brings in uh, will determine whether they can go global or or how soon they can go global um, there, there are only only two possible outcome for any saas company either they'll go global or they'll perish right okay and uh, so in terms of time frame the 12 month period took you to go how long do you think it took you to go uh, global and uh, we wanted a deadline to get this done in 12 months so did it just sort of flow naturally and you just scaled up as everything went along all right so alex uh, the 12 month time frame is quite relative to to the kind of offering that anybody is offering um so <clears throat> it absolutely depends whether 12 months uh, i mean sometimes they can go global in in uh, six months timeline uh, we have seen companies uh, establishing themselves in in multiple regions and and uh, growing and and going global uh, it it really depends whether you are in a in a b2b saas or or you're offering consumer uh, facing tech what's the, what's the kind of offering that you have and then are you ready to go global that's the that's a bigger question but if you look at uh, whether the market is adopting it or not um that is is there i mean if you if you see some of the numbers out there where where there's a, a compound annual growth rate for saas industry which was projected to be 22% um and uh, that accounts to something something like 236 billion dollars uh, on a i mean by 2020 and i'm sure with with the uh, uh, with covid giving the entire cloud adoption the tailwind that it required i'm i'm sure that number has only gone up and um, uh, in terms of whether whether in 12 months it's possible for a company to go go global or not my answer there is yes uh, but it all depends on how robust the growth plans for the company is so it it has to it has to be a robust plan focused on both the innovation aspect that's a that's a product aspect of it and also the the distribution mechanism uh how smooth lined are their channels for this growth if these two are are something which uh, a saas player or or a saas brand has figured out early into their journey i think uh, 12 months is is quite a good time frame for them to go global excellent and uh, with the current Uh, world events obviously with the coronavirus situation um do you still think that's possible i think it's it's more possible than ever right now uh, if you see what covid has done is covid has taken um cloud adoption to much more niche pockets where uh, it was it was more more of an option uh, about 8 months back but uh, that today is is kind of a, a must have for these enterprises so uh, right now approximately uh, i mean during the covid period we have seen something like uh, a 16% uh, increase in terms of the enterprise applications and the enterprise software right. that uh, uh, are getting adopted uh, globally so considering that trend in mind i think right now it's it's the best time for for anybody to venture into uh, with with the global aspiration and and go global Uh, with the product uh, if there is a fitment for it in the world mm, okay 
Oh, excellent. Thank you. And uh, so from your side, uh, do you mind talking us through your role in the transition to going local and uh, sort of specifically as well the steps you went through to make it all happen? So, yeah, so it was it was very different. And uh, I mean, of course, uh, back in 2018, when when I took over the role at Yellow Messenger, uh, it it was a was a perfect world or I don't know how do you, how do you call it? I mean, it's it's it feels like it's been ages since since uh, we've seen that side of of uh, the I mean, how business used to happen. But OK, uh, coming back to the topic. So, yes, in in 2018, when we uh, thought of. Uh, taking the brand outside India and establishing it in, in larger Asia-Pacific market. Uh, of course, uh, the transition to Southeast Asia, because that was closest to home. So, so we thought of trying out that market in terms of pricing, uh, I mean, price sensitivity and market adoption. Uh, they were very close DNA to what the Indian um, enterprises uh, uh, do adopt. And uh, that's why we thought that Southeast Asia would be the would be the perfect testing ground for us. So right. we started off with few brands in Southeast Asia, and uh, it was more of a one-man show. So I was the only one present in in Southeast Asia doing the business. And then it then it came to a point when we wanted to run simultaneous experiments in in multiple countries. So it was not possible for for me to drive this entire operation myself. And then we started expanding, and then. We saw um, good adoption in Southeast Asia, and uh, that's when we thought that uh, we need to replicate this model. So, from from an individual contributor role or being at the at the uh, spear front of of leading the charge for for the sales, it became more of an enablement role that I transitioned into, mm -hmm. uh, building newer teams, uh, building local regional teams enabling them, uh, building a, a channel partner strategy, enabling the channel partner, building out a partner program and trying to sell it through different channels. Uh, that became the role that I, that I then transitioned into. Right. And it became more of a, of a controller role uh, where you have to um, see to it that all your goals from all these countries and all these regions are being met. And you have to identify uh, in terms of uh, which region or, or which country is inclining towards a specific trend. And you have to build up on that or you'll have to do course correction in, in, in multiple instances. So that's a, that's a rule that I transitioned into from, from uh, instead, of, instead of leading it on the ground, you, you more, more of a take an archive view and, and start kind of controlling the entire game plan. And so, uh, SARF is obviously very complex and it has the opportunity to go global. Uh, so for businesses, SARS businesses that find themselves in that situation where they're starting to scale up, do you think they should go it alone or is it uh, an opportunity to sort of reach out and get the sort of assistance, uh, elsewhere from investors or channel distributors, that type of thing? I don't think, uh, in a, in a, in a SAS world, anybody should go alone. Um, until unless it's it's necessary. I mean, if you're if you're offering uh, something like I mean a very niche solution uh, which has certain security concerns. Uh, apart from that, I don't I don't think any any SaaS player should should go alone. Uh, I think it's it's a collaborative world out there. Uh, 
one has to understand that on the, on the cloud, they're hosted with multiple other applications. So if I'm going to go and position myself as a, as, as a application which runs on silos, um, an enterprise might have limited utility that they can derive from my platform. Uh, whereas if I, if I go and position myself as the application which can enable or, or which can work um, in collaboration with multiple other system of records which an enterprise uses uh, on, a, on a daily basis and I'm just enabling or bringing more efficiency into that entire operation. And if I can make them understand what's the cost benefit or what's ROI that they can derive from this adoption or, or this process, it becomes much easier to, to enter that account. And second is, of course, when you're integrated with multiple other applications, your stickiness quotient is definitely higher uh, rather than if you're, if you're acting uh, as, a, as a singular player. Now that's from a product standpoint. That's that's a product-led growth. That's possible. Uh, on the other hand, uh, if if uh, I'm trying to go individually to every region, uh, every geography, I'm slowing down myself. Right. So it, rather than doing that, if I if I enable maybe multiple other channel partners or or build a channel uh, which can act as my secondary channel or in certain geographies, it has worked as my primary channel of revenue generation. Um, and there I can, I can go to many more regions and offer my product to multiple different industries, multiple different regions uh, at the same time when I'm, when I'm doing it in other regions. So I think both from a, from a product and distribution standpoint, collaboration is essential for a SaaS player. Yeah. Okay, excellent. And uh, so just returning back to uh, coronavirus that I mentioned earlier, obviously uh, you mentioned it's not really held the industry back. We're seeing a lot of SaaS growth uh, all across the world and a lot of businesses are going to strength. So based on that, do you think timing is uh, important for scale up or, or can businesses aim for a global reach at any given time, given the industry's standing? Is it, like, is it a really good time to just start whenever you feel like it? So if you're if you're talking about um, the the current situation, I don't think it has it has much impact on the on the SaaS domain at all. Uh, I think uh, if you if you look at the the projections that were done in 2019, where where Gartner had projected that there would be a 6.3 percent growth, and that will take us to something like I think a little over 240 billion. Yeah. Uh, dollar company in, in 2020, I think the, their projection for, for 2020 is, is way beyond that. They are now projecting something like 200, uh, $255 billion plus uh, in terms of uh, what, the, what the SaaS industry is going to close 2020 at. So I think from a, from a, um, a growth perspective or, or in specific to the SaaS domain, I don't think there has been any impact at all or there has been inverse effect. Or, or inverse impact where the SaaS domain has only grown. So I don't, I don't think uh, timing. Uh, I mean, the current time has got has got any impact um, on any organization's plan to grow. And uh, if you're if you're talking about timing in general, I think uh, once the 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 MVP is is kind of established in 
whichever is the home turf where you're you're experimenting with it and you see adoption happening within the businesses and the consumers in the in the same region i think it's time for for the technology player or the or the saas uh, product owner to actually think of replicating that success into multiple different markets and uh, sometimes you you might get surprised in terms of the with adoption can happen just to just to give you a personal experience uh, or speaking from what we experience uh, we saw a much higher adoption of the yellow messenger platform uh, in indonesia uh, versus what we had seen uh, even even in india or or in in other parts of southeast asia but uh, the moment we took the took the product to to indonesia i think that that was our our fastest market to to give us a million dollars in revenue uh, so so uh, i think um, it's it's essential and it's important for any saas player to draw this draw this understanding and do these experiments and see which industry which geography is responding better to them okay and uh, returning to the actual process of going global uh, where you have to sort of analyze markets and consider where to move um targets so what are your what are your recommendations for sort of managing those steps and scaling up how do you decide which markets to target first so in terms of uh, uh getting to getting to markets i think for for us uh, we always knew that we wanted to take the product to united states but uh, we wanted to to uh, evolve the product so that it gets uh, Uh, adopted faster in in united states uh, uh and uh, uh we waited for the right time to come and uh, in in the meantime we experimented with the product across asia middle east europe and we built the product uh with all the capabilities that's necessary for the product to be to be sold in united states uh, at the same time we always wanted to stay um uh, uh, kind of kind of domain or industry agnostic and we wanted to build more capabilities into the product so we we created very region specific capabilities at the same time uh, we kept a global flavor of the product uh, ongoing i mean ongoing i mean we have done business in in places like like cambodia or or indonesia uh, where we are we are looked at as a as a product which has all the local capabilities but then again it's a it's an international brand that's that's coming from india and is doing business in in cambodia or indonesia and um the adoption there uh, has been has been tremendous uh, considering the fact that uh, we were we were not a local player we had to gather all the intelligence or build the product in order for us the product to be more localized uh, and uh, and as you understand ours is a is a conversational product it actually have to uh, behave and understand the colloquialism that's that's embedded into into these uh, regions or or these pockets of the world uh, we actually built the product uh, with those capabilities so that it was it was adopted and uh, uh, 
in order to do that you need a you need a strong collaboration factor to play for you where you need uh, regional partners you need uh, regional product players you need regional engineers at times in order to enable that for you and then of course you need a, a robust sales and a, and a distribution strategy in place which can take you to the right audience or to the right enterprises to have those adoptions okay and so from your side again uh, what were the so kind of the biggest lessons you learned from your experiences doing during your sort of scaling up process which is obviously still ongoing but what do you think you've learned uh, the most my biggest experience or biggest learning has been that uh, never slow down uh, never stop experimenting a lot of times i have seen uh, uh, companies trying to be cautious and uh, they're trying to go slow and uh, in the meantime they actually bring in more competition or or um, they they kind of fall behind in terms of the the feature or the availability of the of the market share that was there earlier on and lose it to to competition or or lose it to even inferior players um my biggest learning is is never to slow down i mean <clears throat> multiple countries and regions that we went to were um i mean they were they were not ready for uh, a platform like ours to be adopted but then uh, we we had to do a lot of uh, training and enablement for them and once we have established the product uh, with a few brands we just saw it catch up like wildfire and we were able to to replicate that success with multiple brands but if i if i wouldn't have done that uh, and if i would have confined my outreach and and confined uh, my strategy saying that uh, probably it's not the right time for me to go to that market i don't i don't know what's my total addressable market in that region or in that industry i think i would have uh, waited for somebody else to to come in and take uh, a share of that market from us so we have we have been uh, pioneers into into multiple regions multiple markets uh, not only from a product standpoint but from a from a growth strategy or a or a distribution strategy standpoint as well and uh, that has often often given us uh, the the head the the leverage of of uh, heading the uh, i mean heading that particular region or that particular industry with a with a product like conversation ai okay and so from your side again uh on a day to day and weekly monthly level uh the shipping focus to uh sort of marketing sales side how do you how does your marketing sales and product plans differ for sort of global vision versus a local market so you you got to have both i mean you you got to have a global vision definitely in order for the the product to be adopted globally i mean until unless you've done that it's it's not truly really global uh, at the same time you have to you have to break it down and think about it at a at a, a micro level so so when you're when you're looking at your distribution channel or your distribution network you have to do the analysis both at a macro and a micro level and you have to take measures um, at both the levels now in order for for uh, this to be 
well adopted or well executed. Uh, one thing which I did early on was break down the rules and kind of uh, distribute each of the regions uh, with its own PNLs. And every PNL had had have very different challenges. I mean, could it be from a from a distribution standpoint, for from a demand generation standpoint, or from a fulfillment standpoint? Uh, every PNL has very unique challenges. But it's easier for me to look at them. Um, I mean, individually and uh, resolve them rather than looking at them as a holistic problem. Because if I if I have to look at this at a as as a, as a single platform of distribution and look at the problems. The problems are going to be uh, very, uh, I mean, very different in nature uh, that that what what was appearing in different regions or in different industries. But when I look at them broken down uh, industry wise, geography wise, uh, I'm able to resolve them much faster. I have a cure for all of them because. I've broken down each of these problems, and uh, this is this is one strategy which I would like to share with anybody who's trying to go global is to is to break down your your path to global going global. Um, have have uh, different regions to do regional segmentation. Look at them, give them individual attention. Their needs are going to be different. Their challenges, their problems are going to be different. Don't look at every region. Uh, on, I mean, don't put every region under the same lens and, and try to see what worked. Uh, it, different things are going to work in different regions and the strategies that you have to build for every region is going to be very unique and very different. Sure. Thank you very much. And uh, again, so just leaning on that again, uh, so for anyone, the SaaS companies listening to this and thinking how to progress forward, how to scale up uh, the process of this outline, what would you, in a very sort of, sort of uh, concise way of putting it, what would your main bit of advice be for anyone considering this level of scaling up? So my, my advice would be that um, understand where your product adoption is going to happen. Uh, scale, your, scale your product. Um, think of growth to be both product-led as well as uh, uh, based on your, on your distribution strategy. Don't slow down. Have a have a defined plan for the next twelve months or eighteen months. Uh, be prepared for the unexpected. Collaborate. Uh, you cannot win the war alone. You have to collaborate, uh, and collaboration both at a product level uh, and and at a at a distribution and business level is essential. Um, get the right mix. Understand uh, uh, what's working, what's not. Have a have a robust feedback mechanism in place. Um, distribute it. Distribute the the responsibility of the regions to to multiple teams or or regional teams. However, uh, work closely with them. Uh, have have your, I mean, create a, a feedback mechanism or or a, or a feedback channel so robust that the information reaches you on time. Uh, take adequate measures to to do course correction and you'll have to sometimes you'll have to correct your your own uh, decisions or your your own goals uh, you have to reset your goals you have to reset your strategy have to have the perfect mix in place but no matter what don't slow down um, uh, SaaS is only growing 
all the numbers indicate that it's here to grow at least for the for the next four to six years it's only going to grow so there's no reason to slow down uh, the current situation has rather accelerated the adoption so just go for the growth and uh, but given sort of difficulties in the situation what would you say is uh, the main sort of complexities issues other SaaS businesses might come up against how would you sort of um, cope with that so considering that i would say the, in terms of the the difficulties that are that are there today uh, it's it's only accelerated the uh, i mean i wouldn't i would call these difficulties uh, difficulty might be in in establishing business to in in a in a newer region but it's it's only the adoption of the product or, or the probability of the adoption of the product is much higher today than it ever was so in terms of uh, that um, that that adoption standpoint which is a primary challenge for any business at any given day that the the adoption is is kind of kind of uh, uh, not up to the speed or or not, not as robust as not as expected as as it's supposed to be uh, i think that's a challenge which uh, businesses are able to overcome Messenger, it'd be excellent to sort of get some um, feedback on what your businesses scaling businesses scaling plans are for the rest of this year, Q4, and into twenty twenty one. Be very interested in that. All right. So, so for us, uh, COVID was indeed a, a a tailwind for us. We're we're in the automation business, and COVID only accelerated the the automation journey for the enterprises. So, today, enterprises are are looking at uh, Conversational automation as the heart of their enterprise strategy, and uh, we have been able to forecast or, or built in multiple use cases which are getting adopted by enterprises. And I'm sure uh, we are we are not the only business or the only domain that's doing that. We have we have seen uh, or heard about multiple businesses which are able to do that. For example, the the cloud adoption business or desktop as a service. Uh, I mean, these are these are also businesses uh, which saw similar growth that that we saw. So for us, twenty twenty one is gonna be uh, uh, building and and strategizing more on how we distribute these capabilities to all pockets, all possible pockets where we see there is a there's an addressable market or a market need for the for the product and the offering. And uh, uh, a lot of learning from 2021 would be to, to listening to customers and acting on those uh, customer requests requests more agilely. And uh, that's something which we've we've done in 2020 uh, in the in the early days of COVID when business continuity was was the brands. We enabled uh, the brands to. To be connected, even even in a in a remote environment, and we enable uh, uh, bots and an automation platform to do the redundant work for or the repetitive work for for the brands. Uh, we enabled uh, certain consumer facing brands to to go uh, direct to their their consumers and maintain the business continuity and, and stay afloat. So listening to customers closely, working with customers, um, and and kind of kind of leading the growth both through through product and through sales, 
was the mantra for us in 2020 and uh, 2021 also we would be we would be doing the same okay thank you and so focusing now is a bit of a shift to the SaaS industry as a whole um obviously coming towards the end of the year uh, so what sort of uh not so much challenges but sort of innovations and developments do you see what happening to SaaS businesses in 2021 uh do you think continued growth uh, new opportunities, new opportunities. Obviously, you just mentioned some chatbots and everything like that. So AI is becoming more integrated with the whole the SaaS industry. What what do you envision happening in twenty twenty one? So if you if you see the the trend that followed in twenty twenty, uh, there only in in the month of April when when COVID was was early on into the into the uh, into the into the business world. That's the only time. There was an average reduction of, of something like like four to eleven percent was the reduction in the in the adoption of the SaaS tools uh, that had happened. But if you if you look at the market from May onward, right? So that means the business that um, no matter what the challenge is, uh, staying on cloud or or adopting the the cloud application is the only way uh, the businesses can accelerate. So. May there was a there was a twenty five percent growth that had that had happened and uh, um, the number of SaaS tools uh, that I mean the adoption of SaaS tools in the in the B two B domain uh, enterprise B two B domain has gone up from sixteen percent to twenty two percent in in twenty twenty and if the situation continues to to be remote or or intermittently remote like how it is today. Uh, I think uh, it's only going to going to lead to more and more adoption in the coming days. Okay, thank you. And uh, so, for, I'm going to focus on SaaS startups particularly, obviously, because they feel like uh, when you're just starting out, I'm sure they feel like they need all the sports they can get. Uh, so, what advice would you your your main advice would be to SaaS startups at this point? My main advice to start SaaS startups would be to to build products uh, which can see an early adoption, um, the minimum viable product which is there, um, play with it uh, and see where the adoption is, make the early changes, don't be in a rush to take it to market. Um, the moment they're, they're taken to market, figure out a collaboration strategy and figure out a, a distribution strategy. Um, Take time to to hire and build the initial uh, distribution network or the distribution channel. Uh, you don't need a VP of sales uh, on on day one. You can you can wait out that decision for for six to twelve months for that to happen. But even in the in the meantime, see who your early adopters are, and your early adopters don't have to be confined to a particular industry or a particular region. Uh, you can have adopters from multiple industries and multiple region, and uh, the moment you have you have figured out the early uh, the I mean the early adopters or or you have figured out your niche. I think that's the time when you should you should uh, build the sales force in house and and have a sales lead take it up from there. So uh, it's it's always great to. To get to the first uh, hundred thousand, uh, five hundred thousand by yourself, and and then uh, let the 
let the sales lead take over the VP of sales take over and take you to your your first uh, million or or ten million uh, within a within a span of say about a year or two. Sure. And for the established SaaS businesses who are looking to step up to this next level, what would your golden rules for continuing success be? First and foremost is I'm open for collaboration. If so, anybody is looking to collaborate with Yellow Messenger, uh, any of the established SaaS players, and if we can collaborate and work in any region, we are open to those collaboration. We are we are going early into the United. I mean, we have, we have uh, we are very early into the in the United States market. So I'm open to collaboration with any SaaS player uh, from the region. And uh, the the other point uh, there would be that uh, uh, if you have already figured out uh, what's working for you in in whichever geography and whichever market, please do share those learnings with with other players. A um, lot of times our Products can complement each other, but uh, we we miss out on doing that, and uh, uh, that can often lead to to collaborative growth. I mean, it's it's possible, uh, and I'm I'm speaking from experience. I mean, if I have enabled business for another SaaS player with one of my customers, and if my customers' adoption goes up, uh, there is a high possibility that. Um, uh, either the the usage of my platform or my product is also going to go up, or at least the stickiness of my platform or my product can go up. So, from that perspective, I think uh, sharing these best practices with other uh, fellow SaaS players is is important, and uh, that's why I said that I'm I'm early into the the US market uh, with Yellow Messenger. So, if you're looking for collaboration, I'm. I'm ready to collaborate, and I'm looking for collaboration uh, into into United States and and the European markets. Sure. And uh, so, finally, on the last question we've got today is uh, because we're the future of SaaS. Uh, I was just wondering uh, where do you see the industry heading in the future? So, sort of like five, ten years down the line, smart growth, innovation, we need tech, that type of thing. Very interesting question, Alex, and I'll be I'll be very happy if I can I can give you uh, a prediction there. But, um, I think the the Gartner prediction was seventy five billion by twenty twenty uh, for the SaaS market, and uh, I think um, we have we have already crossed that by by a larger margin, and. Um, uh, there was, I mean, there there was uh, one prediction which said that uh, by 2026, the U.S. SaaS expenditure alone is going to be something like 55 billion. Uh, I would I would expect that uh, uh, markets like like Asia Pacific or or Middle East are gonna gonna catch up to this number soon, and uh, we are probably gonna go maybe three three to five fold of this number, and. Uh, I think it, as I said earlier, that it's not going to be uh, a trend. It's going to be it's going to be a norm for uh, enterprises to be on cloud, and uh, I think that's going to be the only way forward. Okay. Well, brilliant, uh, Neil Farman of Yellow Messenger. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a real privilege. Thanks, Alex. Nice talking to you.